Hello and welcome to PMI's Uncommon Sense podcast, tools to improve your work forever. I'm Susanna Clark, Managing Partner with PMI. Our Uncommon Sense podcast is a 15-minute conversation with our expert consultants. They talk a lot of common sense, although much of it is not common practice. And that's what this podcast is all about. We want you to be inspired to improve your business through learning more about the tools which can help you succeed and grow. Today, I'm joined by Barry Byrne, Director Consultant with PMI. Great to have you today, Barry. Thanks for joining me. No problem. Nice to see you. Now, we're going to talk about throughput yield today. Some people might know this as rolled throughput yield. And my guess is there may be some who don't know what that is. So I think that's a really great place to start. Could you give us a summary? Okay, so yield is an extremely important metric for businesses, Suze. It's taken me some time to see this in common practice, and yet when when I give you the basic definition, we wonder why. So yield is the percentage of work that's completed successfully at any given process step. Now, if we were to unpick that, what that actually means is the probability of us being able to deliver what we often talk about, it's almost like a cliche, right first time. Well, right first time is the percentage, the probability that all of the work and the product, whether it's a product or service, is actually 100% conforming. Now, I think we know from experience the reality is that it isn't. And the reality then is, in academic terms, we could suggest that we could calculate what the yield throughput would be. But in practical terms, often the reason why processes are not yielding, in other words, they're unsuccessful, may not be seen in the process step itself. It could be seen elsewhere and often downstream. So essentially, we use yield throughput and we use it in the proper sense in that we are interested in not just a volume of product that roots in one end and comes out the other end conforming. It's also the defect rate. It's also the rework proportion the work that needs to be done, that in many processes, both product and service, is hidden or it's assumed to be okay. I was going to say that. You know, I think that most people think it's okay. Of course it works. Of course they're mainly producing the right things. We did. And, you know, in, in a service environment, and I'm, I'm very mindful of this from, from watching some of the clients and, and, and in our own work that we see each day, uh, you know, that having to go back and, and, and understand a little bit more about a calculation or a document or an email or whatever, in essence, then that is reworking. We're reworking what should have been right first time. You know, so consequently, in its most basic form, it is telling us, is the product correct in the eyes of the customer, the end user of that, or is the product correct for all of the subsequent steps? And when it isn't, for whatever reason, and of course, for whatever reason we would need to define at some point, is essentially part of the yield and the impact on the yield. In other words, the acceptable output is less than 100%. And the role throughput yield, of course, is including rework in there as well. So this is potentially really useful because it gives people the chance not only to understand actually what is going on, but to quantify the extent to which things are or are not working in the way that they're expected to work. Absolutely. And it is beyond opinion now. 
it is measurable. And of course, as a consequence of that, there are opportunities for improvement as a consequence too. I think what's in, what I find interesting about this is, in its most basic form, is often to define when something is defective or when there is a defect. In order to understand that a little bit more, you know, I see something that is classified as defective as a sort of a macro view that the product itself is defective. It is unacceptable. Whereas the defects are the root causes of why we would classify the product as being defective. In other words, it's the micro level. And it's either defective or it isn't. And therefore, we have some measure of acceptability. Whereas with defects, it's it's what we call possible. It would be a count. We have a physical number. Now, curiously, of course, a lot has to be said about our customer and our customer's experience. Because although something may be defective, it may well still be of use. So there is an element of, as there always is, ambiguity in terms of the acceptability or the severity of the defects that we're observing. So I think it's useful to separate defective and defects themselves. Any product that has one or more defects is defective. The second question is, is well, what are the implications of this? This is what I find, and I think you're alluding to this in your original comment. This is what I find very interesting about this and why I would encourage people to, f to focus in on this, is that it's driving us to truly understand the customer's experience, not to understand the threshold of acceptability, almost like the specification, a tolerance, but to ensure actually that we're continually striving for 100% defect-free product or service. And it comes back to our coaching and those who know PMI well, will know Taguchi and Taguchi's continual focus on variation and specifically operating processes on target with minimum variation. So they're all interconnected. And I think it's therefore important that this role, throughput, yield and so on is considered not just in the basis of the mathematics, but fundamentally what is it saying? And what is it saying about our ability, A, to detect an abnormality, and B, to understand the implications, now that we know this to be true. The calculations themselves are very straightforward, and that will be for another day. I think those two points are what resonated with me when I first encountered this many, many years ago. It's always set the tone, really, the theme for me to understand not just we know this to be true, but what are the implications now that we know that. And it's always the double nature of defective, is it not? Because... It is that failure to be able to deliver under the right first time and what the impact of that is. Maybe the customer, we're lucky enough, they don't get it. It does get picked up perhaps sometimes. But whatever, it always has an impact because it absolutely usually requires some kind of rework, doesn't it? As soon as that is identified, we're in the waste cycle. Yes, I think you're highlighting in practical terms what may be a, an issue for us in that the discussions in and around the integrity of the product or service that we're providing is can the discussions can be more about acceptability, accepting it as it is, almost like lowering the threshold, than continually focusing on perfection. It's still coming back to this relentless hunt for perfection. And it pains me that we can tend to want to look at how do we make this acceptable in the eyes of the customer than truly understand, even to the point at which, well, we have a better yield than our competitors. Today is not enough. Yeah, 
when you get this right and you're using metrics such as yield, the reality is, of course, is that forget the competitors because you'll be ahead of them. Couple that with Taguchi and on target with minimal variation. Of course, it sets you out as a world-class organization. How many of us describe ourselves as world-class but actually don't often have a true definition about what it means? Can you give me an example, Barry, of where you've seen this applied? You know, kind of what the situation was, what was going on, and what using this calculation achieved in terms of helping the understanding of the people working? Yes, it was interesting that a client I worked with not so long ago, a multi-stage process passing between multiple functions, although the fact it was passing between multiple functions was, was incidental. It was a multi-stage process where there was considerable discomfort around the let's say, the productivity levels at one specific stage in the process itself. And by way of analysis, using this as an example, it was quite clear that a considerable portion of the work that was being done on a downstream process, the one that they were discomforted with, actually was a consequence of the product not being delivered right first time. So the productivity at one specific stage in the process was implicated by the problems of yield in an upstream process, in other words, the supplying process. And of course, this therefore drives our underpinning sense of considering processes in the system within which they work. Example was a great illustration of considering the upstream causes, if you will, of the effects that, we that we'd seen. Unfortunately, the process steps themselves were probably getting the analysis and the care and attention was actually in the wrong place. And really, that came as a consequence of understanding how the work worked. And this often reality, too, that what constituted as just being how we do work around here should have been considered in the defective vocabulary that we used before. The fact that we had to go and reassess and check, recheck the brief again meant the product or service was delayed further downstream, and consequently that was seen to be the problem. That was the outcome. And some basic yield calculations delivered that, that a process was seen to be delivering defect-free products, actually was mm. not, because of the consequences on downstream products who had to then rework and so on. And I'm sure that those who've listened to this, probably that would resonate. Yes, and I think that's what you're talking about there, not unusual, is it? We see examples of yield calculations, and we will talk about this in, in OE terms as well on, on another time, but I see yield calculations in the region order of magnitude of 90 to 95%. That can spark this thought that says, actually, that's quite good. The reality is, is if we have a sequence, a series of processes, you know, a linear, a sequential flow, and on average, if we say that we're looking at yields between 90 and 95%, you know, if you have four processes consecutively, that could be 95, 75, 80, 90. You know, the basic mathematics suggests that the cumulative yield is the multiple of all of those forces. And that is alarming. Probably talking about with the figures I've just quoted there off the top of my head, it's probably a yield of about 50%. When we see it in that context, that then suggests that perhaps we need to focus more closely to the reality of how all of these processes align and synchronize with each other, 
in order then to understand the true picture, because that is the customer's experience. That is the experience of the people in, the, in our businesses. When we take that macro view, the numbers are alarming. And as of interest, we've talked about where we see problems, we see effects, and using it as a tool to research and understand more. Is that the only time that you would recommend using this? Or actually, is this something that could potentially be built into people's everyday or weekly confirmations? Uh, yeah, it is, Susan. We encountered this when we conduct value stream mapping exercises, so understand the as-is, and yield would be one of those factors. Very common in, in, in organisations I've personally worked in in the 90s, where the yield by process step was one of the key metrics because it had the implication on not just the consumer, the end customer, it also had implications on the next step in the process. So, yeah, in the early 90s, one particular company I worked with, that was one of the top three metrics because it was indicating how poorly the work actually flowed through. And when I talk about work, customer orders. So the customer order passed through one phase, was then reworked in the next step. It was then slowed down. It may actually have to go back for rework or it has to be dealt with in the next stage down. So all of that sort of complexity is introduced as a consequence. Therefore, it's a great metric. And as supervisors or managers working in these areas, I think yield is one of those top three calculations that really they should have on their fingertips. Brilliant. Great advice. You heard it from Barry. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find more episodes of our Uncommon Sense Tools to Improve Your Work Forever in our Knowledge Hub on our website or, of course, your favourite podcast platform. And do subscribe so you never miss an episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode where you'll find links to more content on this topic, which includes webinar recordings, toolbox guides, blogs and infographics and our training page. You can always drop us a line on team at pmi.co.uk and arrange a time to have a call to talk about how these tools can help you in your organisation. We'd really love to hear from you.